The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, it's been a few days, and so now we have some stuff to talk about here. Catching up on all the signings over the last few days or so. I think easily the most intriguing that we have seen since we last recorded is the Bulls and Kings drama over Zach Levine. The Kings coming with a strong four-year, $78 million offer sheet. They actually waived Nigel Hayes to offer the absolute most that they could in the first year, $19.5 million. And the Bulls uh, have now officially matched that Uh, what was your reaction when you first heard that offer i think my first reaction was why sacramento i mean beyond that it it, i think it's too much money for levine actually wrote a piece about that for the athletic chicago the suitor was bizarre because zach levine is a i I think of it as a kind of a two only so meaning that he defends shooting guards he's too short too thin to really guard threes to work super well in a switching system and sacramento of all teams yes they do have cap space so they had the ability to make this offer but they have buddy healed they have boyan bogdanovich both of whom are capable players i would say well i don't, I don't know levine versus bogdanovich last year i would have to well i mean last year levine was awful but if we're saying expected value for levine is probably better than bogdanovich but not by the margin that you would think so i was like well why why sacramento then the reporting that has come out subsequently that the bulls offer was pretty close that takes a little bit of that away but i i just think the the biggest point that we should talk about here is just that i personally don't feel zach levine is a 19 and a half million dollar player he could get there but if i were to project what i expect him to be that's not a 20 million dollar guy well and not only that he is not a 19 and dollar player you could see him being worth this contract eventually if i think he fills out his potential which would be a high scoring guard you know efficient you know maybe scoring a 20 points a game you know slightly above league average efficiency uh, we'll see whether he can keep up the shooting that he showed in that last year in minnesota he's obviously coming off the injury was totally ineffective in terms of his efficiency under 500 true shooting last season as he returned from the injury and then suffered some other issues uh, with that surgically repaired knee with some tendonitis and worth noting too that there's exhibit three protection on this offer sheet from the kings which basically would protect the bulls much like with joel Embiid, where if he has more problems with that surgically repaired knee and we'll see exactly you know, whether that limited just to the ACL or just the left knee, you know, you don't know exactly what that is, but there could be some protection there. And again, you don't know exactly how much protection slash non-guarantee there is in there as a result of that potential injury. But usually players don't tear the same ACL twice. Jabari Parker is a, a rare counterexample of that. But so let's say Levine hits his ceiling. That means, you know, he can create a lot of tough shots off the bounce, gets a lot of rise on his jump shot, even after the ACL. A decent enough passer can run some pick and roll, get to the rim, doesn't get fouled a whole 
whole lot and then remains being pretty bad defensively it's difficult for me to imagine that he's going to get to above passable on that end at, at this point in time just has not had the awareness we've seen guys improve sometimes but generally if you've gone three years four years in the case of him into your career and you still don't show much awareness uh playing under a bunch of different coaches now too that it's hard to say they make that prediction so maybe he'd be worth that money you know, as a guy who could be a second scorer on a team uh, but that's treating him hitting that as a certainty and you know obviously with the both the injuries and the fact both the risk of re-injury and the fact that maybe just not quite as athletic not quite as good as he used to be that's not a certainty by any means that he's going to get there so you're kind of paying for his top end outcome and we don't know how likely that really is yeah and there are certainly things that he brings to the table Levine shooting has has been a strong point so the last two full seasons he played he shot 39 percent from three and when I looked at his profile for that piece I was noting I noted there that he's shooting about 42 percent on catch and shoots and so that percentage is actually being weighed down a little bit by more pull-ups than I would like him to take so you could actually see it go up a little bit higher than that and also just improving with time with reps everything else so like there is the potential there for for what I see more as a secondary or tertiary option as you were saying and his most efficient season in the NBA by a pretty significant margin the only time he had a true shooting over 55 percent was that year 16-17 his last year on Minnesota where he slotted in as the two guard between Ricky Rubio and Andrew Wiggins on that Wolves team and that was his lowest usage of, of his career and a lot of guys you know when you decrease their usage you increase their efficiency to be sure but that's kind of the role that I think is best for him and if you have a guy like that who can do a little bit off the bounce and who is awful defensively you're going to need a lot around that player to be successful and I think that's a good transition into the opportunity cost here for either of these teams but especially for the Bulls because the Bulls ended up matching the offer and yeah it's certainly fair to argue Chicago has so much money anyway you know they're looking at about 50 million for next year even after this and that does not include their first round pick which might end up being very strong and cut to that number by you know let's say 5 million but there is a big difference between 50 and 70 even if they're not going to get two max guys I mean they can make that pitch those guys will very likely say no but you never know but just the flexibility that it offers it also makes it it would have made it it does make it much harder for them to use their remaining cap space for this season to take on multi-year salary because once you start getting below that 50 million then it starts to get into like if you want to just bring in one guy that starts to get more more perilous when you think about the picks and you know stuff that could come in so they're committing not only are they committing in terms of years like they didn't give Zach Levine 20 million for a year this is a four-year thing and if it becomes a sunk cost if it becomes a negative value contract even if it's a slight negative it gets harder to move and so while there's an argument to be made that Chicago you know they're not going to spend all their money they're not going to use all this stuff it does still make it harder and we've seen what 20 million theoretically in cap space that can get you a decent first round pick now that price will probably drop a little bit as the cap keeps rising but there there is a consequence of this beyond the possibility we might say more likely than not that he isn't worth this contract and much more to talk about with that as well I really want to hit on the aspect for this year as well of the Bulls taking out bad money and how it's affecting that uh, there's also that during grant trade uh, that we need to discuss as well but first this uh, from quip toothbrush recording from a, a hotel room right now but i didn't have to downgrade at all in terms of my travel toothbrush because i just keep using the same one i always use which is the quip toothbrush especially for travel i actually have two of them one i just keep in my top kit you can do that when this electric toothbrush starts at just 25 dollars at getquip.com slash cap space but also i don't have to worry about it getting discharged while it's waiting around for me to go on another trip because i can just put 
a AAA battery in there. That's what it, it uses. And it lasts for three months of continuous use, even longer. If uh, it's in my dop kit, I have my other one at home that I just use continuously. Uh, and I can attest that it does last for the full three months with that AAA battery. If you're not using an electric toothbrush yet, you just should be because otherwise you're getting sweater teeth. That's what my sister used to call it. When you wake up and you can just feel the plaque on your teeth. And if you're just using a regular brush, number one, it's just kind of a pain to have to brush. Number two, you probably just give up much sooner than the recommended in two minutes with quick toothbrush it's got a timer in it that goes for two minutes they've got pulses that helps you know you should move to another quadrant of your mouth every 30 seconds and it just cleans your teeth much better than a manual toothbrush does there's also this great suction mount that you can use as a cover for travel i use that of course and then you can just stand it up on the counter when you get to your hotel or of course uh, attach it to your mirror at home if uh, i know a lot, we have a lot of urban listeners who don't have a ton of counter space so you can attach this even to your mirror just slide the toothbrush right in there and you're not using up any counter space either. So once again, the way to get started with them is getquip.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. Talking about it all the time during this time of year. And you'll get your first refill pack free. And a reminder, of course, that they start at just $25. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash capspace. Once again, getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash capspace is that URL. So this situation brought about a very interesting CBA nerd situation, which uh, we'll probably be talking about actually in a couple days at sports business classroom but during the two days that the offer sheet was outstanding the bulls still had levine on there at his lower 9.6 million dollar cap hold it goes up to the 19.5 million now that they have matched but during that time the bulls actually could have made a trade to take on more bad money for this year it seems like they're trying to go the cap space route next summer but they could have maybe taken on someone from denver to help them get out of the tax carmelo anthony they actually would have had enough space to take him on now that it's been reported that he wants a buyout from OKC we'll get to much more on that in a little bit but it looks like with the clock ticking they weren't able to get to a trade to use that space before Levine goes up another 10 million dollars to the Bulls lower now on space after that but they did find a little bit of a middle ground and that was with this trade a three-way between Orlando Charlotte and the Bulls Jerry and Grant shipped out from the Bulls taking back the non-guarantee of Julian Stone a point guard who was little used last year in charlotte he has been reported already is likely to be waived grant due 2.6 million this year in the last year of that rookie contract he was the 19th overall pick in 2015 by the knicks a trade that was actually uh for tim hardaway to go to the hawks and then of course hardaway ended up returning on that ridiculous offer sheet to the knicks uh, last summer so grant who really seemed out of the bulls plans cameron Payne, they liked what he did towards the end of last year after he finally got healthy after multiple foot surgeries i remain skeptical that he'll be a, a great option as a backup point guard but grant really had kind of worn out his welcome i didn't think he actually was that terrible frankly shot it a little bit better than expected at least uh, on spot up so orlando who has nothing at point guard right now they will take on grants uh he'll probably slot in as the projected backup behind dj augustin and they'll see whether they can cobble together a point guard rotation there and they have some other ball handlers like uh, evan fournier uh actually only aaron fournier <laughs> who uh maybe jonathan simmons a, a little bit as well there well, and they also and then, they also yeah, signed isaiah briscoe we should 
should mention um orlando did to a I, I think it has a small guarantee but we don't know the exact numbers yet i haven't seen it reported but they signed him and i believe it's to an nba contract yeah briscoe i think has about a four hundred thousand dollar guarantee uh, i heard so he is projected to be on the magic this year uh, not a great shooter but kind of a, a tough defender actually defended the three when he was at kentucky and uh, was in europe last year wasn't particularly efficient his jumper is coming along but very slowly uh, but to finish out things from chicago's perspective they don't have the massive amount of cap space left but they're still in the ballpark now with the kings and with the hawks because but by moving on from grant with the 19.5 that levine starts at they're looking at about 18.9 million in cap space still remaining here if they're to move on from sean kilpatrick and julian stone as we discussed they are at 13 guaranteed roster slots right now uh and you can go up to 20 roster slots during the offseason so no problems there in terms of taking on more salary who really needs to cut salary right now you know that's an interesting one to talk about because especially when you say that it's probably only teams at this moment who are looking to cut expiring contracts this year i don't think anybody wants to pay the price of more than even just a first round pick to get off of money this year you've obviously got the nugget the nuggets remain 11.7 million dollars over the tax right now with the signing of tory craig to a reported two-year four million dollar contract no word on the guarantees there yet and they're pretty much they've got one roster slot left now who else needs to dump some money still for this year do you think washington i think they're one yeah. that you could look at they have a bunch like jason smith is probably the most logical but they're a series they could also give up jody meeks who's under suspension for i believe it's around 15 games he still has left on that and and so they're they're over the cap over the tax right now okc i mean they're they're sitting there and but they don't have a ton of expiring money i mean they could try to do something with singler if they wanted to like instead of stretching him and putting a million on for five years they could just find somebody to take him on for five million but yeah i mean it's interesting and the asset price like the team i think what might have happened here is just that they were at the teams were asking for so much that everybody just went we'll just wait and see what happens and uh, it also ha- occurred that some of those players on these nasty 2016 contracts are in situations where there wasn't that sense of urgency for example the new york knicks the knicks doesn't really make that much of a difference for them to unload noah right now they weren't they weren't going to get cap space for this year portland you know would have benefited but they have a billionaire owner who doesn't seem super interested in getting all the way out though portland could be another team that could cut some money yeah and again portland there isn't really a logical ending contract for 2019 that they could get off of right and maybe we'll see finally some movement around the trade deadline of the i think the best name we've come up with for them so far uh, is the sour 16s uh, those contracts just the mahimis the biombos the mozgov maybe you could put evan turn in that category luol dang obviously chandler parsons the ones that are just such toxic 2016 contracts for over 15 million dollars a year that went four years yan mihimi those ones i don't think we see any of those get moved unless it's for you know just to into team space to get rid of them completely until we get to the trade deadline this year and then maybe some teams that are bad will just say hey you know we don't really have any realistic chances of using 2019 cap space we'll take on one of those for an asset but yeah as of right now i mean for the blazers their only major expiring contract is alfru camino and they desperately need alfru camino's contribution so you're not really going to cut any money there uh yeah and washington needs to lower their tax bill with the signing of dwight howard which we'll get to but they're not going to give up a first round pick to get off of him and so i think we are somewhat at a stalemate here other than denver there really isn't a team that has to get off of so much money with such big contracts that you could envision them giving up uh, major assets and i think really people just don't want to get 
give up these first rounders we still got the hawks and kings and and bulls around you know we'll, we'll see maybe those teams could start playing in the area of trying to sign some value guys to a little bit longer term deals you know given how tight the market is here but right now it does appear that that moving money is at a stalemate so the bulls i think did assuming that they had to match on levine which yeah you know i don't know if they feel like they did or not or, or i mean they felt like they did i don't know if they should have or not but they were really in a situation where i think this grant trade is a decent hedge to especially because they essentially got someone to take grant for free and the magic who just wanted to get a look at him oh it was easier than yeah can i talk about the structure of this trade just because i found this interesting um i think absolutely that's, yeah. so so basically what this trade it's a three-team trade it functions as a two it's two basically separate trades that were put together for a very interesting reason from what i can tell so orlando was in this unusual circumstance where they have a lot of room under the luxury tax line but they do not have enough exceptions to really bring in guys they don't have any trade exceptions they do have the mid-level but they don't have a lot of ways so basically what happened in this why it was done as a three-team trade is because they had this pre-existing or whatever they had this other part of it which is mozgov for biombo and so by by throwing that in they were able to by throwing in jeremy jerry and grant in this trade they were able to basically make it fit within the trade rules without having an exception and so it's it's really interesting to to make to make it in that form part of me thinks because the other part was just so so weird with these moving deck chairs the two of the sour 16 that it's it's possible outside chance that orlando really just was trying to create a way to get jerry and grant which would or, which would be hilarious if that's how it happened but the other part of this trade is they moved bismack biombo for timofey moskov those guys make very similar money it cost charlotte a million for this year and then i think the difference is closer to four hundred thousand for the 1920 season and i think bismack biombo is a better player it is certainly arguable because biombo is such a negative offensively i think some of that could be mitigated by just playing around better team maybe having a coaching staff that understands how better to work within his limitations but it, it, it's interesting that it might just be that they were trying to fold jerry and grant in and then for the other so so i think i think biombo's better i don't think it's a big deal and i don't know i thought i thought it was interesting if that's what it was from orlando's perspective also interesting that you'll recall steve clifford coached bismack biombo in charlotte and they did not give biombo a qualifying offer which he, and he ended up going to toronto and then he ended up getting this massive contract so clifford i think just was not particularly interested in him and, and biombo you know now sometimes when these guys get traded after signing these contracts with big expectations it makes it a little easier for them to be in new saying i agree biombo uh, still has more potential he's younger than mozgov so i think this was really kind of as you said a way for the magic to fold grant into this deal and take on that money because remember you can't just trade a non-guaranteed guy to the bulls and have it work because stone since he's not guaranteed counts for zero uh, outgoing in the trade uh so you have to fold it in that's why you have to fold it into the larger oh transaction one other so, note on that yes. is stone is a brilliant way to fulfill the touching requirement a lot of times what we've seen in that because if right. you have a three-team trade every team has to have some sort of interaction with the others is a lot of times it's used as those kind of like fake second round picks but a non-guaranteed guy that both sides expect to be cut is actually a, a, a more simple way to do it because then it's just clean after that you don't have to worry about oh well what happens if we're one of the five best teams or if you want to do subsequent trades to involve another little portion of that pick it's also pretty hilarious that the untradeable timofey mozgov has now been traded three times since that contract was signed i think sometimes being signed to an untradeable contract means you end up getting traded more often <laughs> because you just want to get rid of you and you're dead money so and as it turns out there are plenty more of those sour 16s uh we should be clear the 16s there refers to 2016 16. not that there are 16 of them thankfully That's they're not 16 they're just they're just like eight or nine <laughs> 
Where do you want to go next here? Let's go to Kyle Anderson. So Kyle Anderson, right around the same time as the whole Zach Levine drama was was playing out, Kyle Anderson got a four-year, $37.2 million offer sheet with the Memphis Grizzlies that includes a 15% trade kicker. And this is a, it was one of those tough calls in terms of matching for San Antonio. Kyle Anderson had been a, a good player for them, a surprisingly important part of the rotation with Kawhi Leonard functionally having a lost season. And we had talked at many times about how Memphis had this glaring need for perimeter talent on the wing because they just had you know looked like it was going to be Dylan Brooks yeah, and too, Wayne Selden. Too bad he's a power forward though. Yeah that is, that is a problem and depending on what they're going to do with Jaron Jackson they might even be kind of not loaded there but have enough guys and so so you kind of have two questions here. One is, is this a good use of the mid-level exception for the Memphis Grizzlies? I would say, I would lean towards no for, for two reasons. One, while Kyle Anderson is young, I do not see a lot of untapped potential there, really on either end of the floor. You know, he could be, a, he can do a little bit more with the ball in his hands, but I don't think he is so good at that that you really want him to do it. You know, you have that. And defensively, I thought he's done a nice job reaching more towards the high end of what you would expect with his athleticism. We'll see how he, ex- co-ex- how he exists outside of the Spurs just magic I mean this team the San Antonio being as strong defensively as they were last year was absolutely incredible it's why I had Pop as my coach of the year until the very last the last thing and so we'll see that with them but also because as you just said the idea of positional scarcity is there but I don't exactly know if Kyle Anderson fits within that I'm guessing he will start for them at three but he is more of a a natural power forward you can't really put him on a lot of the best guys and while he and they gave him four years you know like I could see Kyle Anderson getting this money and while there isn't as much of an opportunity cost for memphis with so many guys off the board i I just don't i don't i don't hate this for them but i certainly don't love it yeah the grizz now with the signing of anderson to that full 8.6 million dollar mid-level exception to start for this year and obviously that he gets the five percent races over the next four years to get up to that four-year 37 million dollar contract they have 2.5 million dollars remaining below the tax but they are now at 15 players they're going to keep wayne selden and andrew harrison of course uh who and actually Selden will guarantee tomorrow technically Harrison doesn't guarantee until the league-wide cutdown date in January but again very likely to stay on so uh, they've kind of got their team uh, and it was probably smartest to use all of this in one shot they've got enough operating room still below the tax to just uh, make some moves they'll be a little bit hamstrung if they but they could always try to get off of just a little bit of money you know maybe in the form of like Jarrell Martin or someone in a low-level trade as the season goes on but Anderson just to me has so many limitations you mentioned the Spurs magic he's always been a favorite of the advanced stats too slow laterally to me to guard the best threes well I think if you look at his limited playing time you know he's ostensibly the going to be guarding the other team's best threes they had no one to guard Kevin Durant in that series and yet uh, Anderson was playing 10 minutes a game as I recall by the end of that series and I think was even taken out of the starting lineup because he just couldn't shoot the ball well enough even from the corner he was just bricking threes he takes forever to get it off really has not shown very much improvement at all he shot it very well on threes on limited attempts when he was coming out of school at UCLA but not comfortable above the break he's got a hitch in his shot takes him forever to get it off more capable from the mid-range shooting over smaller players has good length good finisher around the rim despite his lack of explosion he's got good touch but and is a good passer but really it's just so hard to slot him in maybe the 
Grizz can do that because they've got Gasol and if they're going to start Jaron Jackson who's looked pretty good shooting the ball so far they'll have enough spacing to get by there but you still want the ability of Gasol or Jackson to get into the paint against smaller defenders which uh, Anderson is really going to crimp the spacing there and then they don't have great shooting at the two right now either it looks like Wayne Selden is going to probably be their starting two assuming he's healthy with that quad tendon issue so it's uh I don't know if it's a head scratcher you know Anderson there are statistics that make it look like he's pretty good but I, I just don't think he's an answer at the three the Grizz needed something there and you can make the argument perhaps that he was the best three remaining on the market if they're trying to get back any contention but yet he's still young enough to, to grow with this team I just I just don't think he's that good he's just too hard to fit around he's an NBA player I don't think he's a playoff player that may not be a concern for the Grizz for a while here but uh, although they project to be better next year so I, I it just I, I think the Spurs made the right decision by not matching and that this just isn't a, a great contract he may I'm not going to say he's not going to provide like no value I think it's just a little bit of an overpay but it's just where are you really going with Kyle Anderson as uh, your starting small forward at this kind of money yeah I agree that it was a, a good decision for San Antonio especially with the uncertainty of just where their roster is going to just pencil him in for about 10 million a year for the next four years is you know that's that, that's a lot that's the, you know especially when you combine that with the money that LaMarcus and Powell and, and Patty Mills are making you know they, they have a lot of these significant contracts and maybe though some of those get moved as they kind of figure out where they're going here but it will be a challenge the other big move that San Antonio was involved in since we last recorded was earlier on Monday was announced by I, Sportondo's where I saw it that Davis Bertons yeah. is back on a four-year 20 million dollar contract Bertons is I believe 25 years old I like his capability as a floor spacing for last year in summer league he showed a little bit more with the ball in his hands my you know this isn't a terrible contract by any stretch of the imagination but I think that I, I don't love it partially because the that uncertainty I just talked about giving him four years and also because I just don't know exactly where he fits in on a good team you know he's a, a fine player I, I like him as a basketball player and so giving those types of players four years is just there's a sticker shock there in terms of if you want to be flexible if you want to move move in any direction that's like well another team's not going to want to take that on and so I don't love it but but again it's it's you know it's I, I it's hard for me to get my ire up even though I don't love it. Bertans at least the theory of him makes more sense than Anderson even though Anderson has been more productive in terms of the on-off stats and this is less than five percent of the salary cap for a fourth big who can shoot who provides a stretch element that they desperately need although you wish the ball would go in just a little bit more for Bertans than it does he's only 25 it's had a nice couple of years there they value the continuity I don't think this is crazy I think it, at the very least he if he really starts bombing that he's got the potential to outgrow this contract which is the type that you want to sign for a restricted free agent who's 25 and so you get him for you know his age 25 through 28 seasons that's pretty useful this is pretty low level you know maybe this turns into a Kyle Singler type of contract but I I don't think so you know I don't foresee Bertans totally forgetting how to play and at least he's a guy who could fit around other players because of his shooting ability and not a great defensive player but can do well enough on switches he's a little bit more athletic than some players of his ilk so I actually don't mind this one as much and well you might say hey you know this is a tight market where else was he getting an offer sheet I almost like it because it's more years and they can if he does grow they can take advantage of the fact that they locked him in during this market if you had said before the season well Bertans is going to come back at four million a year I don't think that would have been crazy right I think we are now skewed a little bit in terms of what the market is for this year because everyone is signing one-year deals I think as of a little bit ago Mark Stein had this stat that 29 out of over 50 contracts that were signed were one-year deals which is absolutely insane so 
So I think this is actually zagging a little bit against this market to get a guy who's been a rotation player under contract for $5 million a year is maybe it's a slight overpay now but i think this has the opportunity to actually look pretty good of like oh hey they've had this guy in the, their rotation like that's decent fourth big money you know what i mean that's like so uh yeah i think th- I, i'm okay with that i think a lot of people are, are less okay with it i i think the best argument in favor of this trade is if you look a year down the line and you say the, how, the signing you mean yeah if you look at the signing so if you say a year from now july of 2019 okay you have davis bertans on a three-year 15 million dollar contract how does that look and there's a very good chance that looks that looks nice you know because next year teams are going to have more money they're going to be spending it stupidly and san antonio's opportunity cost for this season was basically zero especially after they didn't match on kyle anderson they had the exception to bring him in they had wiggle room to kind of make this all work especially given some of the other stuff that happened which we'll talk about soon enough so i i think that from that perspective i could very well see this being there i'm not sure of it which is why you know i i, I don't i think i like it a little bit less than you but i again it's it's not it's not bad it's just it's just there and I like Bertans too. I, uh, the idea of him fitting in with a lot of different pieces is something I definitely agree with. And so I hope they actually give him the chance to succeed because he can. I think we should probably well, go. For- a- oh, go ahead. No, no, let's uh, let's do a read first here because I know people are fired up to see Kyle Anderson and the Memphis Grizzlies next year, whenever they come to town. All right, maybe not them, but uh, you know, LeBron James, he's the Los Angeles Laker right now. If he comes to town, you're going to want to see him, especially now if you're in one of those Western Conference cities that only got to see him once a year. Now you get to see him twice and SeatGeek is the best way to get tickets to see lebron james or everyone else or even to get tickets for a night out theater comedy anywhere that has tickets every type of live event SeatGeek is the way to do it they save you time and they save you money first they aggregate ticket selling sites together so you don't have to go to a bunch of different sites worried that you're missing out on a great deal SeatGeek brings those to you all in one place and then my personal favorite is they rank every ticket based on value so it used to be a stressful process in which you really wondered if you were getting the best deal but now you just look at the section that you want to sit in look for that big dark green dot the darker green the better and you know that you're getting the best value ticket in that section we got a great deal on tickets to a wizards bucks game last year whenever I want to take family members or my fiance to a game. Always look on SeatGeek. We went to a, a Pelicans Pacers preseason game a couple of years ago. Got a, a great deal on that in New Orleans. So the way to get started with SeatGeek, which guarantees every purchase, is by downloading the SeatGeek app and entering promo code CAPSPACE today. Easy to remember CAPSPACE. Talk about it all the time here on the program. That's promo code CAPSPACE. And if it's your first SeatGeek purchase, you get 20 bucks off of that purchase using that promo code CAPSPACE today. Let them know you came from us with that CAPSPACE code. Yeah, actually day it's been fun walking around in the vegas summer league seeing a couple of dunked on shirts thanks for sporting that merchandise years not dollars actually was uh on the back of that one uh, some guys came up to me and said hey like we were so happy you listened to dunked on like you helped us win our dynasty league and i was like wow really fantasy all right like we i didn't think we had much use to people who uh, are into fantasy but these guys were like yeah we listen all the time uh they told me that i interrupt you too much though uh because like you'll be like moving on to another topic and i had something else they're like dude you gotta just let Danny flow like he he's he's getting in the zone you gotta just let him roll with it well yeah i've seen a couple shirts i really do appreciate that as well um but i feel like we could have a general rule that when a guy signs a max contract we should probably get to it before the half hour mark uh devin booker <laughs> De- we talked about it a little bit on the last no no show. no 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 i wanted i wanted to get to brooke lopez first <laughs> he's first on the sheet no all right sorry. but but go so ahead. so devin booker we talked about it i think a little bit on 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 last show and and the the point that i want to make here is that i think teams and we've seen this before demarcus cousins 
Cousins is a good example of this for a lot of different reasons, of these downtrodden teams mitigating, mitigating the wrong kind of risk. So they're mitigating the risk that the player gets angry, that the player gets ornery. Minnesota with Wiggins is another one of these. Instead, they should be mitigating the risk that the player isn't as good as they think he is. And so with Devin Booker, there is a very significant chance that he will get, deserve, receive, however you want to put it, a maximum offer next summer as a restricted free agent had they waited. Very significant chance. I would I would say that is the most likely outcome. Now, you can make a discussion about whether, you know, they want to, they could then throw out a max qualifying offer so then they wouldn't get the benefit of the cap space. There are a couple other things they could do, but it seems like in these circumstances, the teams are more scared of the player being mad at them, even though the player doesn't have much recourse. And yeah, you have to deal with this guy day to day. And I understand, you know, we, we, we try to do better to not think of these players as robots or anything else, but the team has an obligation to themselves to make sure to, to basically to handle this in the right way, because if heaven forbid an injury or just them seeing what we see a little bit more in Devin Booker with his limitations are there. And there, as I said, like there's a chance that I'll see him as a max player a year from now, because if he steps up, they're going to finally have better talent around him. But I would not commit to that right now with him because I don't think he, I don't think he's at that, you know, no brainer sort of situation already. And remember with those 8% raises, that's going to put him making a projected $36 million by the fifth year of that contract. And I think it's, probably more likely than not that he grows into where if that kicks in we're like yeah okay that's uh, that's not bad value we understand why they did that but to, i second everything that you say and also we'll add in of course that they cost themselves about 16 million dollars in 2019 cap space uh, as a result of this uh, as well and so at, at the very least you know i mean we saw the pistons do this with andre drummond to say hey you know what like I mean, I don't know that you want to commit to saying, yeah, dead bang for sure. But, you know, do at least say, hey, we're going to take care of you next year as a restricted free agent, but we want to build a team around you and we can have 16 extra million dollars to do that. You know, hopefully you could have good enough communication. And now, granted, the Suns organization and, and coaching and front office and ownership and all that has not been that great. But it, there is kind of this idea of like, oh, man, we really suck. So, all right, here's somebody who's finally good. We better hold on to this guy, you know. But uh, again, we'll see whether he's going to be end up end up worth that. But to me, between the difference in his low cap hold about 10 million and the 27.2 that he's projected to start at next year so it's actually even more than that 17.3 million in cap space essentially and the fact that you know there's some performance risk there's some injury risk here I, I agree with you I would have waited as well and you know if I could have it doesn't sound like there's a ton of negotiation here either and if you look at the history of players who get these July 1st no-brainer max extensions which this pretty much was that's your kind Irvings that's your Anthony Davis that's your Damian Lillards have been some of the guys who've gotten that and Booker just is not in the class with those type of players with what he's done so far even if he did take very nice strides forward last season oh so I want to make one other small point on this from the Suns perspective you talked about how they gave up 16 million about in space by doing this and so if I were advising Ryan McDonough I would advise him if they can to pivot a little bit using to basically just not using all of that 2019 space hoarding it and so what they could do because they have all these expiring contracts with veterans and maybe they want to keep Tyson Chandler around because they think he 
could be a good mentor for Aiton and Jared Dudley. Certainly same thing. I think they should have played Jared Dudley more last year, but they could theoretically, if they could get the price right. Well, they got the number one pick, Danny. I don't know yeah. if they should have. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but but if they if they were actually trying to win games, then yes, I, I yeah, agree. if they were trying to win games. And so if so, what the Suns could do if they wanted to is they could trade those players one or both for guys that have another year in their contract, and the opportunity cost for the Suns would be much smaller than the benefit granted to that team. So like for example, the Knicks not having to stretch Noah, but instead trading him off would be a very valuable thing for them, even if the Knicks aren't saving any money and wouldn't compensate the Suns for saving any money in the 2018-19 season. That could be valuable for them. And maybe, I mean, it all would depend on what the what the offers are that are on the table because teams just might say, hey, we're not giving up a first-round pick for that or wherever the line is. But I would have those conversations with every single team that is in that boat that is potentially looking at 2019-20 space and saying, hey, it's going to be we, like we can get a deal that works for you there you're if you're under the gun next summer it's going to be harder to move that space right away you know you're going to get a max guy you're going to get two max guys next so you're going to want to move those players now or the other way they could do it is not as much of a of a like a, a salary ransom but as a a player like let's say courtney lee who is a good player who might be a little bit overpaid where that year is more onerous for the other team than it is for the suns and if they're trying to win now for whatever reason basically i think they should be valuing their 2019 space less now after this to and acting to that actually gives them a weird competitive advantage for now yeah and again this is their moves this summer kind of smack once again of the lack of a plan i mean how many different plans have there been in phoenix in 2013 all right we're gonna tank we got eric blood so oh wait we just ran 40 48 games now we're gonna try and be good again we're gonna sign isaiah thomas up oh, gordon Dragic doesn't want to be here we'll trade those away uh, trade him away for two first round picks we're gonna trade away but we'll also trade away that lakers pick for Brevet Knight and then we're going to extend him try and still kind of try and be good you know they were on path to winning like 45 games that year but then then it turns out oh we're trying to win but really bad but we got Devin Booker and so I, I guess we're going to try and be good we're going to sign Tyson Chandler and Jared Dudley but then that didn't really work out to make us any good we, we're going to try and bring in LaMarcus Aldridge that didn't work now uh we still suck so we're going to tank uh 2016 and 2017 uh but now we're going to bring in Trevor Reza on a one-year 15 million dollar deal we're tired of losing we got DeAndre Ayton but we're tired of losing now uh we're gonna use cap space in 2019 let's keep that up oh no we just signed Devin Booker to a, a max extension so now we're not gonna have uh more max room in, in 2019 anymore but we're gonna try and still win this year it's really it's just like I mean how many pivots is that that I just had in that little rant like so again this doesn't really seem like there's a, a huge plan in place I agree with you that's kind of what they should be doing but probably doesn't seem like they're necessarily gonna get there and they'll probably make another stopgap signing as well Let's go to Yusuf Nurkic. So Nurkic signed a four-year, $48 million contract to stay with Portland. It includes a partial guarantee on that fourth season. Uh, a portion of how I feel about this trade will depend on how partial that partial guarantee is. We don't know it yet. And what is th- this, the parallel for me here is a little bit, not as severe, obviously, but the parallel is to the Reggie Jackson deal. And so what, for those who are longtime listeners to of Dunkton, you might remember that we actually recorded in this fashion. You could, there's a podcast that happens with this where I basically went oh well there's nobody left for Reggie Jackson the like in that case it was the Detroit Pistons who had acquired him got really lucky like he just got left out in the cold they can play hardball here and maybe they come to a long-term deal whatever whatever happens like they got a good deal and then the contract they signed did not reflect that advantage and I think that happened here but this is a much more manageable deal just because 12 million a year Nurkic is a talented player fits beautifully in in Stott's system defensively though that's more because Stott's makes those guys work a lot 
lot better than most. So I think the way to talk about this deal is actually to go in a different direction, which is if Nurkic, prideful guy as he is, had signed his qualifying offer, and so we were going into next season, on it, him on an expiring contract, he can veto any trade, and the Blazers would have the possibility, maybe likelihood, that he leaves after that year. Is that preferable to them with the long-term flexibility to what they gave him on this contract? Oh, I think they'd rather have him on this deal, especially for a team that doesn't project to have significant cap space still going forward for quite some time. And I think this is right about where Nurkic's value is in what is obviously a depressed center market. I think he does do some things well. I think he deserves a lot of credit for their defensive improvement. He took a step back offensively, really shoots too much, takes too many bad flip chops around the basket. We have seen him be very successful posting up deep. You know, they actually had some success against Houston having him do that. Uh, But a lot of his limitations were exposed trying to guard Anthony Davis. Uh, Maybe still another one of these guys is more of a regular season guy. So I think, you know, he could be a starting center. He could play 25, 30 minutes a game, young enough to improve. There's that non-guarantee on the last year as well in 2021-22, which helps them. So I think they did well here. And I actually congratulate Nurkic and his agent for not taking the qualifying offer. This is life-changing money still. You know, this is generational wealth, $40 million guaranteed, much more than he's made already in his career. Still young enough to get back on the market again at a later point. You know, if he's still 27, I think by the end of this contract, you thought that Nurkic, he's been kind of a headstrong guy previously. Reporting indicated from Woj that he was actually offered more than this in extension talk and turned it down. But they accepted the realities of the market rather than do a one-year deal for a guy, which is really risky for a guy who hasn't made anything. And when Yusuf Nurkic has retired, is it really going to be that much of a difference in his life between 48 and you know, the 65 million or so maybe that he turned down. Uh, I'm guessing probably not, but there sure as hell would be a big difference if he took the qualifying offer and then, you know, was just on one-year deals from year to year after this. So I, I think they made the right decision. I think more agents should make this decision, despite the fact that, as we've talked about in the agent business, it's almost having a guy in a contract where he feels like he's outperforming it is almost more damaging to your brand as an agent than turning down big deals and then letting guys just never make that money back but you know perhaps the tale of Nerlens Noel was a cautionary one for Nurkic but uh, and he may have been angered by this and who knows maybe he's gonna sulk throughout this contract that's he's acted that way before but uh, I think they did the right thing here by taking this and, and that more players should be a little more risk averse in some of these contracts than they are I agree with you will, will barton is is the opposite uh <laughs> yeah. example here but you know will will was the one guy who cashed out this year when so many others did not yeah and he and he benefited from you know i think we both believe that he got fortunate you know that it worked it worked out better than you would expect for him and so he you shouldn't use him as the example it's better to use nerlens noel as the example which it, it appears that use of did as you said life-changing money and yeah if this is closer to a non-guarantee i've heard it described as partial but partial can mean a lot of things that could mean a million oh, no, no. No, we we got the numbers. It's four million guaranteed in the final year. Okay. Uh, so the, yeah, that, that makes yeah, it so look even better. So it's it's yeah. Part. So it's three for it's three for forty is one other way of thinking about it. If he doesn't live up to this contract, that looks a lot better to me. Especially if for whatever reason, Paul Allen is just totally cool paying the luxury tax this year. You know, that's a, a real luxury. We talked about this actually. I, I talked about this with Ethan Sherwood Strauss on Real Jam Radio this past week about the competitive balance issue. But like one of the big things is not having teams in small markets. It's having teams in small markets that treat the luxury tax 
as a no-go line. And so Paul Allen allows yeah. the Blazers to get that flexibility. I mean, think about how how differently their offseason, how different their offseason would look if he was like a lot of these other owners. It was like, yeah, you know, my team made the playoffs. We got swept in the first round, even though we were the better seed. And so we're not going to be a tax team next year. Like they would they would have had to make some real sacrifices. The team would have had to been worse. And that's great for Blazers fans that they have this ability. And I, I wish more fan bases had that luxury. Yeah, you could put Dan Gilbert in that category as well as another guy who's been uh, has been willing to pay up. Although surely they will be avoiding the tax this year. Yeah. Oh, oh the, the other James. the other Blazers news we should get to Gary Trent Jr., who they traded for, got a three year guaranteed deal. Those are still pretty rare for American born second round picks, but they're becoming more common. And you see this more often when a team makes an affirmative move for a specific player. Deontay Davis was at one time the highest paid second round pick of who was American born. Not necessarily the most fruitful for for Memphis based on how we've seen him play in several leagues so far. But you, you see that work out. I've liked Trent a little bit. We'll talk about it later. But he will presumably take part of their middle level exception to make that happen because you can't sign him to a three year deal without some sort of other thing because the minimum only covers you for two years. And also, this is interesting. It appears that Seth Curry only signed for one year. It was initially reported that it was two, but it looks like it's going to be one year, 2.75 million. Uh, he was supposed to be getting a one plus one, I believe, in the initial reporting, but it looks like uh, from everything I've heard that it's only one year. Yeah, I like this a lot less for him now than before where, you know, obviously I gave him a shitload more money than that in the mock-up season. But the idea that it's just that he has no control over the second year if this doesn't work out, I mean, that's this, that makes this a contract that other teams should have offered. And Portland did well with Seth Curry at that price. Let's move on to Houston where Clint Capella is no closer to a deal. Kelly Eco uh, out of Houston reporting that the initial offer from the Rockets was in the range of what Yusuf Nurkic ended up getting, which, if that's true, is absolutely insane that they would offer him something that low. I mean, granted, he doesn't have anywhere to get an offer sheet, but there's just there's just no way he's going to take that. I mean, and that's that's low enough to where you know you'd imagine, especially with next year's center market still being pretty light on real like two way starters, especially who are young enough. Clint Capella is an unrestricted free agent, assuming he doesn't get hurt and he doesn't play incredibly poorly, is going to get very close to the max. And I mean, I don't really see any way in which you know at least 18 or 19 million a year for capella isn't like you know a fair offer and we expected him to get if not the max like pretty close to it and he's been that good of a player and he's so key to their system they've already lost trevor Ariza uh, over money you know uh, and who knows what their offer was to him but it obviously wasn't as much as phoenix you'd imagine that he would have preferred to stay in houston uh and they haven't brought back luka bamute yet either they clearly want to i'm guessing that that is a dispute over maybe the number of years uh, and whether they're willing to offer him the full mini mid level or not but it's really the evidence is starting to mount here that while you know he's going to pay the tax tillman fertitta is not willing to pay what it takes to make this team absolutely as competitive as it could be and we'll see maybe they do some other stuff here maybe they take on some more money maybe it'll all this will all work out perfectly they'll find the next luke and Mute for the minimum later in the summer and trevor rizzo will flop and it'll all be fine uh but you know you're trying to beat the golden state warriors here man you, you bought this team and you knew you had to pay 
pay Chris Paul. Maybe they weren't expecting that Capella would be this good. But I mean, if they really made that offer of like four years, 50 million, of course he's not going to sign that. And, it, you know, it could drag out. Maybe they'll pay more. But I mean, if you're not prepared to pay 20 million for Clint Capella, what are you doing? And remember that if theoretically Capella signs his qualifying offer and becomes an unrestricted free agent next summer, Houston still wouldn't have the ability to replace him because they have Chris Paul and James Harden making this much money. And it's also fair to separate out. You talked about the other deals where it looks like Tillman Fertitta was might might have, you know, been on the cheap side. The Chris Paul thing very well could have been kind of non-negotiable. You know, that might have been a part of what happened when you know, that might have been kind of part of the the deal when he bought the team. So you can't even really count that as uh, an arrow in in that quiver in favor of Fertitta seeing this differently and so we'll have to see moving forward and even if for even if Capella left they would not have the ability to replace him because they have all these other guys on there and there also isn't another Quint Capella that will be available as a free agent anyway you know there are a lot of other good players but he is essential to what Houston does so this is definitely concerning for me as somebody who wants to see the best teams at their best talent wise like that is, and uh, that is a uniform position for me regardless of what team it is so yeah it, it's definitely concerning concerning with where the Rockets are going and we don't know how long their championship window is as constructed or even as ideally constructed if they had brought back Ariza but losing one or more guys makes narrows that window significantly it's interesting to make a historical comparison here in this new era of the more stringent luxury tax there really are only three other teams aside from the Rockets that have been in this situation Golden State these last two years you know has been well into the tax the Cavs uh, basically since LeBron returned after that first year and then the heat uh, under LeBron uh, or not under LeBron but with LeBron there the more punitive luxury tax started kicking in right towards the end of his time there and you remember that they ended up amnestying Mike Miller that that was uh, potentially a bone of contention with James uh, part perhaps uh, of why he left you know if Mickey Harrison had that to do over again you wonder whether he would try to get those savings Dan Gilbert basically has paid you know they have made some cost-cutting moves you know like moving on from Anderson but they gave up first round picks to do that you know i mean houston is not giving up future assets to reduce the tax bill and maybe they feel like they could do that for ryan anderson going forward but and then golden state in part due to the largesse of kevin durant has been able to basically get and keep everyone that they've wanted to so far and have not been hurt competitively by a potential unwillingness to pay the tax i mean these organizations have operated the Cavs and the warriors they have operated to try to reduce their tax bill but you could argue that neither of those two teams has ever let someone get away over money that they needed because when you're in this situation you're a championship contender you don't have a way to actually replace any of these guys and that's the situation the Rockets are in Trevor Ariza got away he's the only three and D established starter on the market even at age 33 and so they they let him get away over tax concerns and the the Cavs didn't do that the Warriors didn't do that the Heat yeah they they lost Mike Miller they kind of lived to pay for it Harden and Chris Paul are locked up for a long time and certainly the amount that they had to pay Paul and have to pay Harden is sobering and I'm not someone who has billions and billions of dollars to throw around but the evidence so far would seem to indicate that the unwillingness to pay is going to have a big time negative impact on the Rockets next season even if it is you know if it's Capella on the qualifying offer and pissed off you know that's another aspect of it as well and again you know that that news about what their offer was that's coming clearly from the player side it's designed to inflame exactly the reaction that I've had so who knows you know maybe maybe that's not true you're only getting one side of the story there but nonetheless if it's reported we need to talk about it also some indications however that the Rockets may be trying to pursue Carmel Anthony whose business manager was spotted with uh, 
some Rockets personnel at Summer League yesterday. The reason that that, of course, is a possibility is, as we predicted, Oklahoma City and Carl Anthony will part ways this summer. They are working on exits that include either a trade or using the stretch provision on him per Woj and Royce Young out of OKC. What's your reaction there? Not a big surprise. I mean, Melo would, because of them getting Paul George back, the cost of bringing him would have been beyond prohibitive. I mean, it's just completely insane. Could save them as much as about $100 million, depending on how you want to classify that and, and Singler, because the first money you cut will save more because you get out of the high, the more punitive levels of the tax. And Melo just didn't provide enough value for them to justify that sort of expenditure, even if it was a one-year thing. And it doesn't look like the they have the assets, especially now with the Bulls out of the picture, to try to trade him somewhere else. So then a stretch, a buyout, yeah. a stretch. One thing that was, that's been floated in bull circles is the idea of trading Mello for Cristiano Felicio uh, and taking back that bad contract instead of Mello. So he makes, um, so that would cost them less than a stretch. That's an interesting idea. It would cost. Yeah. And that, that the Bulls would still have room to do that. Yeah. I If I'm, I mean, obviously I would be, if I were the Bulls, I'd be asking for any, but actually that would be a, in, in many ways, a good restructuring of their stuff if better offers weren't on the table. And that would be a just. Yeah. Bad. Well, and Felicio, Felicio is due, I think another 28 million or, or sorry 24 million or so over the next three years looking like pretty darn close to dead money at this point they just drafted wendell carter so they've got robin lopez so he's, even if he kind of comes back a little bit he's probably not going to be in their their plans and maybe felicio could be rehabilitated as a, a backup center option although they have nearly so well now so it probably would be pretty close to dead money and do you think if they just traded him straight up for felicio is that an even trade well i mean if, if you're basically i mean it would depend on what mellow is willing to give up in a buyout but assuming it's it's less than what they would save on the Felicio trade. I mean, yeah, it's basically each team shifting costs in a way that makes sense for them. What's super funny is Melo could actually scuttle that with his no trade clause. Oh, sure. Which yeah. would be hilarious. If, so he could be like, oh, you want to save money on this? Too bad. Um, which, yeah. which would... Although, hey, M- Melo could just start at the three for the Bulls. Oh, Melo, <laughs> Melo and Levine and Chris Dunn and Larry Markinen and Robin Lopez. Oh, man, that would be quite the team. Um, uh, yeah, Melo and, and Lopez could uh, reunite from uh, that. Uh, well, yeah, and it, it would be inappropriate considering the Bulls pursued Melo famously the last time he signed and Phil ended up giving Melo both the damn close to the max and a no trade clause which both of which ended up biting the Knicks on the ass so it'd be kind of funny to have that actually happen but yeah yeah so so but let's talk about more realistic destinations I mean I think a potential buyout and uh stretch seems the more likely option here and assuming that Melo were to become a free agent Houston and the Lakers uh, have been the most likely suitors for him Houston he could probably help them more because they now have a, a gaping sore at the three uh, as of this moment presumably they would bring back Mbamute as well although you know maybe that's part of why with Melo available they haven't offered the full taxpayer mid-level to Mbamute they're keeping that open for Melo as potential to outbid the Lakers who coincidentally have just about a taxpayer mid-level's worth of regular cap space remaining because they haven't signed Lance Stevenson yet to that room exception once they do that that goes away so they're going to hold off on that transaction but I guess if I had to pick where he fit better it would be in Houston maybe just because they don't have as many 
guys but Mello would just completely scuttle their switching defensive scheme we saw just how totally miserable he was trying to switch and now if he had a whole year to get coached up and maybe he could get in a little better shape or something you know but he's already talked about not wanting to play a role so it doesn't seem like going to either Houston or LA would be a, a great place for him to you know get back to being the mellow of old uh or more likely old mellow so I wouldn't really like that signing in either place especially given that he's like yeah I'm not a role player uh but I guess he would fit a little bit better just because the, the Lakers already have Ingram and they have a uh, LeBron they have Kyle Kuzma at his position so far I guess I might like it a little more for the Lakers if there are we're just gonna play LeBron at center you know because they still don't really the only center that they have is experienced at all is JaVale right now so maybe you would fit a little bit better there but if he's not taking playing time away from Kuzma or from Ingram who are probably both superior players at this point but we talked about this back when Melo first made those comments of like you know if he wants to play that way I don't think he can really help a, a team that has serious aspirations yeah the challenge is the Melo the Melo who he wants these two things which are incongruous with where he is as a player he wants to be this specific player on a successful team he can do one he could do one a couple of different places I mean there are lots of teams that could use a scorer like him that are just not nearly as good but you he's not a playoff guy at this point and so that the problem is not necessarily with him having those demands it's that teams that shouldn't might be willing to accede to them and that would be a problem so that would be the lakers problem potentially the 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 rockets problem potentially but we'll have to see there the other piece of houston related news is that they uh waived aaron jackson who is expected to pursue a new deal in china yeah and jackson once they signed michael carter williams actually asked out to go back to china where he's actually going to make pretty likely more money than he would have and have a much shorter season and uh, he would conceivably even be able to return to the nba at the end of the year as he did this year all right let's do a quick read and then we can uh, get to the rest of the signings. there's actually a lot more here than i was thinking we had this is gonna be a long episode so uh, sbc has been kind enough uh, to put me up in a hotel here for vegas but i am missing my bed at home helix sleep which is the best mattress that i have ever slept on it and the reason for that is it's actually made for me and by filling out their two-minute sleep quiz, my fiance and I were able to get the perfect mattress. It sleeps really cool. For her, she gets kind of hot at night. We tried one of these one-size-fits-all mattress companies, and we both were totally uncomfortable. So she said, hey, I'm going to try and find another one of these. And she found Helix Sleep and really liked the customizable aspect. And then she was like, hey, you know what? You're looking for advertisers for the podcast. Why don't you just message them and see if they want to be a sponsor on the show? And I was actually the first podcast they ever were on and now it's been uh over three years and there's still a, one of the original dunked on sponsors that are still on the show and we've had a lot of listeners try out their product and really enjoy it the way to get started with them is at helixsleep.com slash cap space that slash cap space url is your remember talk about all the time on the program here go to helixsleep.com slash cap space right now and you'll get up to 125 dollars they've actually improved their discount up to 125 dollars towards your mattress order that's helixsleep.com slash cap space for up to 125 dollars towards your mattress order helixsleep.com slash cap space let them know that you came from us with that slash cap space url a little bit of news here on the Mavs. They signed Ryan Brokoff, who I remember seeing at the Eurocamp years and years ago. He's now the 28-year-old guard, played, I think, at Valpo in college, but has been playing in Europe for quite some time. Shot almost 50% from three last year. Hasn't been quite as high as that, obviously, at other times, but just a, a slick shooting guard. He can play the Doug McDermott role for the Mavs this year. They released uh, Kyle Collinsworth, and he's still playing for the Mavs in summer league. He was non-guaranteed, but they could always 
always bring him back for the minimum once they use the rest of their cap space because he's on there already at the minimum he was taking up cap space if they waive him he did not get claimed you can always re-sign him for the minimum again uh deandre jordan his starting salary will be 22.9 million per tim mcmahon it's basically the same that he would have made when accounting for the fact that texas has no state taxes as he would have made in that over 24 million dollar player option that he declined and then the mavs still have about five million left in cap space mcmahon reporting the hope is that yogi ferrell will just take his 2.9 million dollar qualifying offer that would make ferrell a restricted free agent again next year which i'm sure the mavs are are fine with but 2.9 million ferrell made the starter criteria so that's a pretty good number for him and if that happens they would have about five million or so left in space if ferrell were to leave it it would be about eight million then they have the room exception as well dirk nowitzki expected to take whichever of those two is higher once the the mavs fill out their roster let's move on to uh i think we can connect a couple of dots using dwight howard because i think this is we got some further details that that make all of this really fascinating so we'll start with the original transaction that involved that was involving him this summer so we found out that charlotte received five million dollars in in the dwight trade that certainly makes it palatable for them that is gets them close i think they might even be at the maximum amount of receivable money for the 18-19 league here remember that money received in trades Uh, is they are at it they are at it because i think that in the they got the remaining like 243,000 or whatever it is in uh that magic bulls trade okay so 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 they're at that so that's a benefit that you know it doesn't count towards salary cap it doesn't do like that but it certainly makes life a little bit better for michael jordan and so that that five million is a part of this and then that number comes up again twice because dwight howard in a completely unrelated thing though it happens to be the same amount of money reportedly by by our friend tim bontemps of the washington post dwight gave up five million dollars in the buyout with the Brooklyn Nets, which gives them, I have it as about $12 million in cap space. That, that may not be unrelated, actually. Maybe maybe for Brooklyn, the idea was we'll give the $5 million to do the trade, but we know that Dwight is going to give up $5 million, so it'll yeah, actually it's be possible. Like somewhat cash neutral for us. Cash neutral, and then they can use that cap space, which is, they can use that before they re-sign all their other moves. It's kind of like we were talking about with Collinsworth with the Magic, but then they also have Harris, who they've already committed to a contract, and the room level with Ed Davis. So they get that five million, and then Dwight gets his five million back because he signs with the Washington Wizards for their taxpayer mid-level exception. However, because Ernie Grunfeld is just a magnanimous person, he decides to not only give Dwight Howard more money for a single season than anybody else was offering, but gives him a second season. And not only gives him a second season, he gives him a player freaking option on that second season. And the assumption that always it should be used in these cases is that an option will work to the detriment of the opposite party. So if you're the Wizards, this will work to your detriment. If Dwight is good enough to justify that salary, then he might opt out. And if he is not justifying that salary, he will opt in. So this is a a much bigger commitment from the Washington Wizards than I expected. Yeah, and now the Wizards with Howard on the books and with cap holds for their restricted free agents, don't forget John Wall bumps up to $37.8 million or so. We don't know exactly yet because the cap hasn't been set. Actually, yeah, it's looking like $38.2 million now for next season. So the Wiz are already five million into the tax, and that's with eight players. <laughs> so uh, something probably will have to give again there if Dwight were to opt in, and perhaps even if he doesn't. At that point, they'll be able to stretch Jan Mahimi probably as well, which will will save him some money. Um, also, in watching, we didn't talk about this last time for some reason. Jeff Green signing on the minimum. I think that's actually not bad. It, he'll take on the role that Mike Scott did last year as Scott has moved on to the the Clippers, and, and Green had one of his best seasons in a long 
long time playing next to LeBron James last year still always an iffy three-point shooter at 32 that's not really going to change but he's a passable defender with some switchability as kind of a fourth big type of option especially someone with a little bit more heft on the wing that they don't really have compared to Porter and Oubre who are both kind of skinnier guys so I expect that Green will play and for the minimum I think that's a decent enough value if they can get you know most of what Jeff Green was able to give the Cavs last season so that that's uh that's totally fine and Green returning to the DC area where of course he went to school at Georgetown low those many years ago the Utah Jazz releasing in a somewhat of a surprise to me actually released it Jonas Jerebko they do have plenty of other stretch four options available Jerebko really was not able to be effective in the playoffs last year though certainly as a stretch four option it was helpful but they have Jay Crotter still to play a lot of that role they've got Derek Favors who they've brought back Jerebko was due four million uh non-guaranteed his cut date was today so they actually uh released him a little bit ago he cleared waivers and uh, will sign with the, the Warriors which we'll talk about in a second but it was interesting interesting to me that they released him uh, especially because they had plenty of money you felt like uh under the tax and they didn't go after Nemanja Bielitsa which we thought w- would be a surprise or if they did uh, they could have beaten the offer that we'll talk about in a second here with Philly but to not keep Jerebko or get Bielitsa maybe they'll try to bring in another stretch option at the four still but that was uh a little bit of a surprise to me that they wouldn't just keep him because there's no real opportunity cost uh since they're so far below the tax other than just you know you save four million dollars but uh i don't see them necessarily uh getting a superior replacement at this point maybe it's just the feeling was he thought he would wasn't be getting that many minutes and would rather go to golden state and they did him a favor or something uh i'm not really sure but this it's, just, it's not probably not gonna matter but it was a, a little bit of a head scratcher for me that they moved on from him it might end up mattering because utah needs as many playoff caliber guys as they can handle and if they can't get another guy yeah. who kind of fills this role which maybe they can but if, if they can't and well i you, you know what it is they got top back to that's yeah. that's the other one i should have mentioned yeah. to, to play as a small ball for so they, they've got favors they've got tabo although tabo has, has been pretty injury prone uh, some of those unfortunately uh not uh, probably not fair to say since he uh, had that incident where the police injured him uh but yeah i mean and, and they've got a ton of guys in the wing like royce o'neill too i mean they've got enough guys to go small so I, I, the more i think about it maybe it makes sense well, if you're it, feel like you're able to rely on it, do, it does but i just you know we'll, we'll see what they end up doing with this flexibility if they do if they do something with it then i'm hopeful but yeah let's let's get to let's get to the warriors first just because that involves the same human being and drebko a better player than most that are available at the minimum hopefully it will work out better than kind of the stretch four option that they were hoping for in omri caspi who just never stretched he instead cut into the lane and clogged up a bunch of shit and then got cut drebko good there and a point that you brought up which i think was very good on twitter is that it does look at the moment especially if it ends up being the patrick wakaw gets that 14th and what will be temporary final roster spot because they're not going to use all 15 it sounds like is that the Warriors will come out of this offseason without adding another real kind of defensive or two-way ideally forward which when Andre Guadalla went out that need was put into stark relief and so they got a lot of other talented guys but they didn't really fill that hole there weren't a ton of guys that would do it but it is still a little bit of a surprise because you could argue that was their biggest kind of structural imperative as it as it were with the embarrassment of riches they have yeah uh and when i tweeted that a lot of people were like oh yeah they really have some needs well well they only had three guys in the team who could make a three last year and when steph curry went out it really hamstrung them quite a bit to just have no spacing available whatsoever and that's a big reason why they struggled so much offensively with steph off the floor and jerebko does provide some modicum of shooting but he's really too slow to be that solid of a switch guy at this 
point it, more of a regular season player as i mentioned you know he just really couldn't play uh, even against okc not to mention uh, against houston so but can provide a little bit of stretch you know, maybe they've now are down to either bring back patrick mccaw to whom they've made a qualifying offer of around 1.7 million they're almost certainly going to only keep 14 guys on the roster at least for the start of the year they can bring guys in you know around the trade deadline to save some tax money the buyout market or what have you and again you know for the resources they had available signing cousins for the full tax pyramid level that was a no-brainer for them and you're down to minimums after that but you're know, getting one more guy who maybe could grow into a cheap option on the wing who would have sub modicum of stretch and defensive ability might have been a thought so we'll see whether that becomes an issue for them again also just you know they got jacob evans they maybe mccaw can just play a little bit better but yeah there's certainly not that established shooter on the wing off the bench for a team that was last in the nba in bench three-pointers last season where do you want to go next here should we talk about uh bielitsa to philly yeah let's do it so the sixers earlier in the offseason they ended up using the a minimum contract to bring back amir johnson rather than the room mid-level for maybe somebody who i would have liked a little better kylo quinn was the guy that i got for them in the mock-up season there were a few other ones but what they did with that room mid-level was they got nemanja bielitsa and bielitsa is a capable player i think he could fit in very well there especially with all the defensive players that Philly has, you know, depending on who they're playing when. And the other kind of thing that I've been flagging in my own head is that while I like Dario Saric better for what Philadelphia is doing, the idea that theoretically he could step into part of that role should they involve Dario Saric in a larger deal, that would be interesting. You know, the idea that you kind of have a replacement already already on there, whether that be in your rotation or if, if Saric ended up getting. I'm really curious to see how they use Bielitsa, who basically uh, to me was wasted as uh, essentially a shooting specialist for a minnesota team that didn't have really anyone else and uh, to be a stretch four option but bielitsa i mean was your league mvp when he came over he can be a pretty dynamic pick and roll player we'll see after, after three years whether those skills have atrophied or just at age 30 a little older than you think he is that uh, maybe he's just not able to do that type of play anymore but uh, for bielitsa he's probably actually might be the best pick and roll player on this team right now and while he's not really able to beat switches particularly well with Joel Embiid setting a screen for him you don't want to switch on Joel Embiid so a lot of teams will have to play him conventionally most likely and maybe he can actually get downhill and be a pick and roll player now if he's playing with Ben Simmons again he's probably going to play more on the perimeter but they really needed one more guy who could attack off the dribble on this team other than Simmons they really did not have that at all and now we'll see whether Markel Fultz is able to provide that element also but I really like the signing and and I think that Brett Brown showed a lot of offensive innovation last year. They passed the ball around a lot. They moved the ball around a lot. And I think Bielita is a guy, especially attacking from the second side, could be effective. And he's another good passer on this team as well, which is something that really helps between Sharich. Fultz is a good passer. Simmons, obviously, is fantastic. Bielita, TJ McConnell. So they've got some guys who can pass. And that really is an underrated factor of offensive success. So I really like this signing i think there's some other teams and maybe you could say you know we talked about the jazz bielitsa probably to be offered a better role in philly you know might even get to close some games depending on how sharich is playing depending on where fultz is at and i think he fits in reasonably well defensively too because they have a bunch of guys who, that they can hide him some and they're not going to be switching that much because they've got Embiid back there so i i think this is a really nice fit and probably of the potential suitors who are actually decent teams they were able to offer him the most 
most playing time and uh he'll be the replacement for Ursan Ilyasova and I think uh, although he doesn't provide the same level of help defense as Ilyasova is probably a better shooter and certainly a better driver and passer than Ilyasova at this stage and also a better perimeter defender if not really a particularly awesome one let's move on to what was one of the more surprising moves in the time since we last recorded Tony Parker is no longer a San Antonio Spur he agreed to a two-year 10 million dollar contract with Charlotte we don't know the full structure I'm guessing it's just a straight 210 no option boondoggles there and there are a few kind of comfort pieces. Not only is fellow Frenchman Nicolas Batum on that team for a long time, but also they hired Spurs assistant James Borrego to be their head coach. So it's, uh, I mean, they needed, Charlotte needed a backup point guard in the worst way. Parker's reputation certainly is ahead of his production at this point in his career. And there were other options that I actually think, especially that they were willing to go multiple years, that would have been better. But who would that be? For me, I would have rather had Napier than, than Parker at this price, depending on what what Napier's asking for, but I don't think he's asking for a whole lot considering what's left on the market there. I and I and with Parker, I mean, we just don't need a, the defensive issues, and he doesn't doesn't create as much, of course, as he used to, which is not a standard to hold anybody to at this point. But it, you know, it's not terrible, but it, it's it, it, I think it's an overpay for for him, but it isn't an overpay with a massive opportunity cost for Charlotte because this still keeps them well, keeps them under the luxury tax, not well under, but under enough. And then next season, we don't know what they're doing with Kemba Walker, but you know they can handle that if need yeah there may be an opportunity cost if parker just isn't any good i mean when he returned from injury last year 500 true shooting and many lamenting the end of an era in san antonio but i mean the spurs were wise not to offer him a contract anywhere close to here i mean parker they've got dejounte murray starting they've got patty mills as a backup already so and they still have Derek white who they want to bring along so parker was going to be maybe the third point guard at best you're going to offer i don't think they would have had any reason to offer him more than the minimum in terms of what he actually gives on the floor so while there is some sentimentality you know and frankly you know everyone's like oh the, the Spurs guys are always taking less Parker really has never taken less than what his market value was at any time now he grew into aging much better than people expected on the contract that he signed and I want to say like 2009 but then he signed that 15 million dollar a year extension and you know really was not even close to worth that over the last three years so they don't really owe him anything in terms of equity and you know if he wants to can get more money here go play with his buddy Nicolas Batum from the French national team that seems fine we'll see how he plays if he plays well you know but this is kind of a seems like a little bit more of a winning the press conference type of a, a deal for Charlotte I'm not sure if he's able to provide adequate point guard backup point guard play or not but if you're going to spend this much more really than anyone else spent on a backup point guard this offseason I, I think maybe you could have done better you know I guess Rondo got nine million in for one year so that's that probably counts as spending a little bit more um and who knows what else is out there I probably would have rather had Raymond Felton frankly yep Seth Curry didn't really work for this team though because they needed someone who was hopefully going to be healthy and Parker has been other than that one major quad injury and, and we and we know that and we know that yeah. we, and we know how bad that injury was because it was a hundred times worse than Kawhi Leonard's yeah yeah I mean and that's I don't not gonna say that San Antonio like kicked Parker out the door but if in fact Kawhi was enraged with Parker this might help a little bit that he's not gonna be there anymore in mending those fences the other piece of Charlotte news is unfortunately he was getting some buckets in summer league Malik Monk fractured his thumb and is out for six to eight weeks that 
that, of course, takes him out of the rest of summer league. Hopefully he will be ready to be back for training camp and all of that. And his place in the rotation will be one of the big questions for Charlotte in training camp because they now have, you know, a, a fair number of guards, assuming they're going to start Batum, MKG and Marvin Williams together. So they don't really have a straight two in their starting lineup. That would that would work, you know, then a lot of these guys kind of slide into to different roles. So I'll be interested to see to where that all works. Assuming you don't have any further comment on that, I think. Well, well, I, I just want to remind everyone that, you know, this is now a second summer where Bung has been impacted by injury. He suffered a really sp- severe sprained ankle in the pre-draft process last year. Didn't play summer league, really wasn't even 100% when camp started last year. And so I think that was a, a big part of maybe why it wasn't as dynamic early on. He had a, a nice end of the year during the tank fest. Uh, so never know what to make of that. He's the sort of player who can thrive in that environment, shall we say. But yeah, too bad that he couldn't really, again, get a summer league, get a full off season uh and for you know he's he's got an uphill battle now to be better than the two guys who are drafted right behind him canard and certainly of course donovan mitchell at 13 although again you know worth noting that pretty much everyone had monk in a tier above those two guys if you're trying to kill charlotte for not taking those guys not everyone but most people did uh but yeah i mean these are the sort of things that add up then you when you wonder like all right why why did this guy fail why wasn't this guy as good as he was drafted well you missed two summers in a row that's not great you know i mean this at least he can stay in shape a little bit better this way but you know he's a shooter he needs to work on that of course uh yeah so i I interrupted your transition well so let's do a little bit of center derby kylo quinn one year 4.5 million with the pacers i believe based on my numbers that that will be for the room mid-level this is a strange confluence of player and circumstance because while i really like kylo quinn and to a point i like him on the pacers sabonis had been a a very good backup center for them they had kind of figured out a front court rotation with that young miles turner and sabonis plugging the holes when they would sub those two guys out but as a value proposition Kyle Quinn on that money totally fine with it and the weirdest thing with them is this sort of parallels the Warriors except that the need is much stronger for the Pacers that to me they walked they started the summer with my biggest need for them being a defensive small forward ideally somebody who could not sabotage their spacing because they had that interesting stuff and while they got a lot of good players that I like at prices that I'm totally happy with I'm not thrilled about the McDermott deal but everything else you know like Tyreek for one year this deal totally fine they didn't really solve that problem so it, it's in, it's interesting just the way that they devoted their resources a lot of that is also opportunity just because there aren't that many of those small forwards out there but i mean i like kylo quinn i like kylo quinn at this money yeah my concern is just that this is going to lead to them playing sabonis more at the four. Oh well that worked out that five. worked out super well in oklahoma city yeah and so, i mean i think sabonis will probably improve his range this summer and maybe could be more of a stretch for option but really his genius is as a dho guy as a pick and roll guy that's where he provides the most so I, i'm uh I, I thought he was an awesome backup center one of the better backup center options in the league and, and was only going to get better and so oh quinn if he's a depth piece that's fine to me if you end up playing him at the five and sabonis more as the backup four don't really care for that too much but you know certainly a guy who was effective last year it, interesting that it, or he's basically getting i might be getting slightly less than he was due to get for the knicks but his comments basically when he signed was he wanted to be part of a, a team that was actually trying to win it instead of tank which i certainly understand you still wonder though if this was a little bit of a missed opportunity for the Pacers in terms of trying to find someone like maybe a Trevor Ariza who I think could have just really really helped them um, more than any of these guys and they certainly could have paid more over one year than Phoenix did maybe you just wanted to go to Phoenix again I'd be very interested to find out exactly how it was that that departure went down and went down so quickly let's keep the centers going Uh, Brooke Lopez signed with the Lakers sorry not with the Lakers signed with the Milwaukee Bucks for the biannual exception and why the 
this is interesting for me is is because he didn't sign with the Lakers. And so the Lakers do still have this allotment of money. I'll talk. They actually cut into that money in a, a fascinating way. Well, I'll talk about that in a second. But then with Brooke Lopez on the biannual, I like him just as a, a potential piece in the puzzle in Milwaukee's front court. They have now three centers in Thon, Brooke Lopez, and John Henson, who all have dramatically different strengths and weaknesses. You know, Brooke Lopez will not fit into the switch-heavy defenses that we were really interested in Mike Budenholzer running with them. But they also need floor spacing at the five in many circumstances. So Lopez can help them there, an offensive fit. And so they're paying him like a support piece. But then the other reason this matters for Milwaukee is this is another expenditure that connects with the hard cap. And so Milwaukee right now, so I have them as 11 million, a little bit above 11 million below the luxury tax. And Bobby Marks has them at 15 million below the hard cap, not including Jabari Parker and the non-guarantees. And the Bucks are hard capped. So they could, of course, clear salary that is already on their books if Jabari gets an offer that is more lucrative than that. But this creates an opportunity and strengthens an opportunity for a team to get Jabari Parker at a number that like maybe their bucks just weren't willing to pay it in the first place, but just getting him at a number that they can, that everybody can be, you know, player and that team, not the bucks can be happy with. Yeah. If they move on from their nine guarantees, which is Zeller and Brandon Jennings, you have to imagine that Zeller with three centers already under contract will not be long for the team. They could have up to 18 million below their apron, but this is a team that is just, they're not going to pay the tax basically. And now they could start the season over the tax and they also have 3.5 million in dead money on their books right now with the stretched Mirza Teletovic. And so if he, the long-term injury exclusion is granted for him, which they'd be eligible to go for, I think, uh, I want to say in like November was the last time he played in a game um, with those pulmonary issues that, that he's had, then they can get a little more breathing space there as well. Although, you know, if you desperately have to get out of the tax, maybe you don't want to count on that happening for sure if you're the box. Well, what Teletovic brings, so I, I, it, well, yeah. I'll mention, I, I think it's November 5th is what's in my head. But what the benefit of Teletovic, yeah. if they think they can get him off the books, is that he actually allows them to be hard capped, but probably end up below the tax because that if you can get that 3.5 million off plus the unlikely incentives and all that stuff. So it'll work out. But the hard cap is the hard cap in terms of Jabari Parker. So we'll see if any of the teams that still have money are interested in him at that price. But he <laughs> Jabari has to be hoping so because he's not going to, the, the sign-in trade offers are also going to be limited now as teams are spending a lot of their other flexibility. Yeah, and it's really too bad for Parker that he's not a three because if he were, both Chicago and Sacramento would probably be pretty interested. Both of those teams have massive holes at the three right now, but he really is a, a four in today's game. I mean, but you know, if the price was really this low, you know, for something like 15 million a year, and maybe Parker just wants to sign the qualifying offer, you just wouldn't even sign something that low. But you know, if you're in Atlanta, if you're a Chicago, even if you're a Sacramento, just to like get the asset and see if he could work out in your system and, and become a big star for that type of a price. I mean, even if he's not an amazing fit and you have all these other guys at the four already in Atlanta, I don't know that they do actually. I don't know. Like if you want to say John Collins is a five, you know, maybe they would really have space for Parker. They seem more focused on trying to take on bad money, but you know, with the Bulls and Kings around, I don't know that they're going to get just like some unbelievable ransom there. Uh, Jabari Parker on a potentially good contract. Like that's the kind of guy who, you know, for Atlanta would, could be a pretty good fit or with uh, Trey Young potentially, at least on offense. Or they could retain that space and sign and trade him for Dennis Schroeder. Yes. Uh, I, I don't believe the Bucks are interested there. Uh, and that, that, that also would cause some, uh, some hard cap problems, but yeah, so, so really interesting for the Bucks, but I, uh, you talked about Brook Lopez. I think this is a great signing for that $3.4 million BAE. They, the Bucks now won't have that to use next year, but they likely will be a cap space team next year. Although re-signing Middleton and Bledsoe could change that. And Lopez's ability to space the floor also attacks and mismatches in the post. He's not a very 
good passer this is a team that needs some more passing uh but i think just having that level of versatility to space the floor that they just haven't had you know i mean they have thought maker but you know he just wasn't playable in other areas so i think lopez won't close games for this team he's too slow defensively be interested to see how his game works on the defensive backboards you know he's a like his brother but not quite as good as a box out guy and doesn't really get them any defensive rebounds so we'll see how they rebound with him out there but certainly to get a guy who's a quality offensive player starting center a big time upgrade on what they had last year at the center position and now they have a stopgap if playoff thought maker doesn't show up again in the regular season and then at a, a lower tier center that we might as well touch on two-time nba champion zaza pachulia signed with the detroit pistons and this is a parallel to them signing jose calderon where they had a non-guaranteed player who is younger at the same spot they basically chose the veteran over the non-guaranteed player and so they're going to have pachulia and calderon instead of dwight bikes and eric morland who was waived his guarantee date was i believe the same day that pachulia signed and so yeah i mean that's that's a completely reasonable choice for detroit to make i am not the biggest eric morland fan but yeah i mean pachulia can be he can be a part of it and if he's willing to obviously you know that you're going to be a backup when you're going to a team with andre drummond but you know could be it could be a part of what they're doing there yeah their center rotation will be interesting now with drummond john lure who missed all of last year with ankle surgery still a 10 million dollar a year guy for the next couple of seasons but someone who's been relatively effective i think he more as a stretch five than a stretch four they don't have anthony Tolliver anymore but they did bring in glenn robinson the third who can give him maybe a small ball four type of element they've got stanley johnson who can play at that position also henry ellinson still around uh i actually might like moreland a little bit more than Julia. i mean moreland is not that young but he's at least got some mobility plays hard i thought he actually was reasonably effective but the new regime didn't really care for him and, and zaza comes in i'm not sure how effective he can be on this team frankly because they're pretty limited offensively and so is he so i'd be interested to see how much he actually plays but th- this could be close to the end is for him at this point and, and as you mentioned they also waive uh, Dwight Bikes who played 29 games for the Pistons last season we mentioned Torrey Craig signing with the Nuggets on a two-year four million dollar deal that's a strong deal for a guy coming off a two-way contract that is fully guaranteed apparently I'm not a huge Craig fan he's very limited offensively and I thought his defense was a little overrated I think if they were going to offer this type of a deal and remember Craig coming off a two-way the qualifying offer is just another two-way contract so he didn't have much leverage this is I think to get this uh, is pretty good. But if you're going to offer him this, I would have rather made the same offer in a restricted free agent deal to Ty Wallace, who I think is better than Torrey Craig uh, and maybe not quite the same player, but uh, Wallace could also play some backup point guard for them, which they don't really have. Uh, and maybe Wallace wouldn't have been able, uh, wouldn't have been willing to accept that. But I, I like Wallace better than Craig. So I, I would have tried to, to go that direction first. And, and especially because it looks like the Clippers are unlikely to match that. And I don't think Corey Craig was going anywhere uh, if, in fact, uh, that offer sheet had been matched for Wallace. So, I, you know, this is, I mean, they need someone who could play the, the three and defend, but I, I thought that Craig just was too limited offensively and, and uh, just kind of looked like a three and D guy out there, but really didn't defend as effectively as I would have hoped. Since we didn't get through it all the way, just as a point of clarification, the reporting out there from Zach Lowe is that Mike Scott is getting a portion of the mid-level exception, so more than the minimum with the, with the Clippers. We do not know the exact number yet, which is weird considering that deal was reported like days and days ago but the Clippers are staying over the cap because they signed Avery Bradley so they have the presumably the full non-taxpayer mid-level they could use they could use that for him technically I believe they have the BAE as well so they could theoretically use that if they wanted to I mean they can do whatever
whatever the heck they want. And then the other piece, and this is, I alluded to this before, is Isaac Bonga was drafted 39th by the Lakers. And I do not know his game. I do not know his situation particularly well. Uh, he's played a little bit in summer league, but a lot of, a lot of us kind of penciled him in as a draft and stash guy, you know, he's German born and, and had been playing overseas. But in fact, the, not only did the Lakers really like him, they brought, they're bringing him over now. And so the Lakers still have roster spots. So they have minimum holds, but they gave Bonga a three-year contract, which requires using cap space. And it's at a little bit more than the minimum. It's at a million dollars. So that's, I think it's about 140,000 more. It'll be at the minimum for subsequent years and the third year is non-guaranteed. So that takes away an eensy-weensy bit of the Lakers cap space that we still don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, Bonga reportedly was someone that they had really targeted in the draft. They tried to shut him down early in the process and they were able to buy that pick from Philly and go get him. Uh, And in fact, I mean, that trade was made pre-draft. So they really, I I think, had targeted him at that point. So uh, some planning there for the Lakers to get their guy. We'll see whether, in fact, he ends up being good or not. They've had some success there with guys in that range recently. The Cavs getting some mixed signals from them. Jason Lloyd reporting that they are open to moving Love. Also report that they're looking to move Kyle Korver. But Kobe Altman uh, pushed back on that in his first public comment since uh, LeBron said he was going to leave. And uh, he says they're going to rely on their culture, even without LeBron, to uh, try to compete. Uh, And just uh, having some conversations with the Cavs people over the last couple days, they said, no, we don't have any plans uh, to tank. But we'll see how the season starts there. Maybe that seems more likely that some of these guys could get moved at the trade deadline. Uh, I hope, as we've discussed, that they keep basically the same team together just so we can see what it looks like without LeBron. That'll just be a fascinating basketball experience. They still have just no threes there at all. Although some report that they might be interested in Travion Graham, who is uh, unrestricted, of course. And then Ian Clark returning to the New Orleans Pelicans on a one-year deal uh, for the minimum. Clark hopefully can shoot it a little better than he did last season. But for the minimum, uh, Clark is is, uh, not a playoff player, too limited defensively, only really does one thing, he shoots it. But uh, give them some minutes, and this is a depth challenge Pelicans team, uh, especially on the perimeter. So you want to just kind of go through here. We'll just switch off every five teams or so and talk about who has what left in terms of space, at least teams that we haven't discussed yet. Sure, we can do that. I'll start us Okay, off. you want to start? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. Uh, there was like a pause there and uh, I, I thought you were going to start. But I will. All right, so Atlanta, 23.7 million in space, also have their room exception available. Boston hasn't done much other than sign Brad Wanamaker to a, a minimum. They've still got Marcus Smart out there. He was complaining that there's been limited communication with the team. And uh, certainly that Dante Exum contract seems to have uh, aroused his ire at 11 million a year when Smart obviously is much more accomplished than Exum at this point in his career. Brooklyn now with that buyout from Dwight Howard, 10.6 million in space, although they have used their room exception. And they're in a little bit of an interesting situation here as well. They probably would end up just signing Ed Davis using cap space uh, rather than their room exception. But as soon as they sign him, four million of that ten point six million goes away. So they actually have some impetus to, to make a move with that space relatively quickly because they have to sign Davis at some point. And then Charlotte, they are about four million shy of the tax line and have used five million of their eight point six million dollar MLE on Tony Parker. And Cleveland, six point two million dollars over the cap without the cap hold for Rodney Hood, who we have not heard any discussion of. They have their full MLE remaining 
signing but surely will look to avoid the tax and they have about 15 million below the tax uh, to work with although they have to fill out their roster with some minimum contracts so really for hood they've only got about 11 million to work with to re-sign him and avoid the tax chicago as we mentioned about 18.9 million dallas oh did i skip them yeah yeah it's fine we <laughs> talked about them a lot dallas has about 4.3 yeah. which is interesting because they have two separate allotments of about 4.4 million dollars one will go to dirk one can go to someone else we don't know who that someone else is yet denver still well over the tax though the trade getting rid of wilson chandler makes it a lot more manageable for them they you know they can they can make some things work here detroit is a little bit below the tax and they're basically done the warriors are of course well over and the rockets are of course well over indiana has a smidge of cap space left but it may not really be able to use much of it they use their room exception on kyle quinn so they're basically probably down to minimums at this point the clippers used a little bit of their mle on mike scott we don't know how much they also have their bae 3.4 million dollars remaining the lakers looking at about five million dollars or so in space remaining that they can use before they sign lance stevenson to the room level memphis basically done even in terms of minimums they are pretty close to the tax now that kyle anderson is in the fold miami has done absolutely nothing they are about two million dollars short of the tax they have their taxpayer mle to work with though potentially we still haven't heard anything on wayne ellington interestingly enough and then milwaukee we discussed their situation already where are the wolves at so the wolves are still a little bit below the tax line i mean it looks like after the anthony tolliver signing that they'll pretty much be on minimums they gave kata bates diop part of the mle to give him a third season so that was reported today by eric pinkus and so they can make that work new orleans now that they lost cousins and rondo they are you know i i think they'll they'll probably function as the, they'll be I don't know. Well, so they can use the mid-level. They'll be hard-capped because of the Julius Randle signing. Well, they, they use the mid-level on Randle, so they're, right. they're done. Now. So they're down to minimums, basically. And then the Knicks, the Knicks are, they're fine. They're below the they're below the tax, and they used most of the mid-level on Mario Hazonia, so they're they're down to minimums. I believe they still have the biannual should they want to use it. Yeah. So they could certainly yeah, do uh, so. but unlikely to go more than a year with their stated 2019 aims. Yeah. And then OKC is incomprehensibly far over the tax, at least for now yeah although if they were to be, provide some with anthony maybe they could use their tax paramily if they also moved on from singler as well orlando some discussion that isaiah thomas could be headed there for now they have their full mle and their bae available philly is basically done and they also have a, a crap load of a, a roster crunch too they're supposedly trying to bring over jonah bolden as well presumably they'll buy out jared bayless or, or just cut him but that still leaves them at 16 if they want to uh i think bring over bolden and so for ken Korkmaz at that 40 point game i don't think they'll be moving on from him but justin anderson might be a potential casualty there phoenix has the room exception remaining and a little tiny bit of space about two million or so left although i don't have them signing uh a kobo yet so that that probably eats up most of the rest of that portland has a uh, 2.7 million of their tax mle remaining they are in the tax by about six million dollars i'm sorry no yeah they, they are 7.7 million over the tax right now and really only have one more roster spot to fill as of this point assuming they hold on to wade baldwin sacramento has that 19.5 million in room plus uh, the room exception san antonio's 
still the BAE left. What about Toronto? So Toronto, they're still uh, over the tax by about, I have it as about 13 million. Is that about what you have? Yeah, 12. Yeah. And then Utah, they're, I mean, it, they, they're getting rid of Jarebko, so we know that. So they, they still have some wiggle room there. They could use the non-taxpayer mid-level should they have somebody to, to spend it on. I believe technically they are, yeah, because they're staying over the cap because of the Derek Favors thing. And then the Washington Wizards are over the cap by about 10 million, or about, about 10 million. So we'll see what they what they try to do there if they want to try to mitigate that or if Ted Leonsis is fine with something. So I think they're pretty close to done. They'll, like, they'll be minimums either way. It's just whether they'll do cost mitigation or Yeah, it seems maybe more likely that unless they were to stretch Jason Smith, that they might just hold on to him and look to move him at the deadline. Uh, Smith certainly not in their plans any longer. All right, well, this was fun. That was uh, a lot longer, a lot more to talk about than I kind of thought we, we had coming in. But we will be back going to two days a week now. So we'll be back probably sometime on Thursday. See if there are enough transactions to do a show or we'll come up with something else that'll be really fun. Maybe a best and worst of free agency, something along those lines. Uh, Anything you need to talk about before we go? Uh, Not really. I wrote a piece for The Athletic about Zach Levine's contract. If you haven't already listened to it, the real intro with Strauss was a lot of fun. We talked, you know, as Ethan and I are wont to do about a lot of different things at the same time. And I'll have stuff on some really coming point, but I don't know when that is yet because... I'm still here. Yeah, and we'll obviously probably starting next week, we'll do our summer league prospect review, which is hilariously, it speaks so well of our audience that that is like one of our most popular episodes every year. So thanks again for listening and we'll be back uh, in a little bit. And I also want to thank dollar shave club for sponsoring today's program they deliver everything you need to look feel and smell your best shampoo conditioner body wash toothpaste hair gel even a a great wipe which i think once you start using it you'll be appalled at what is still there when you're not using those and there's a great way now to try a bunch of their products with their daily essentials starter set for just five dollars that comes with body cleanser their one wipe charlie's the world famous shave butter and their best razor the six blade executive keep those blades coming for a few more bucks a month and you can add in shampoo toothpaste anything else you need avoid those trips to the drugstore dollarshaveclub.com slash cap space is that url dollarshaveclub.com slash cap space use that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.